The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. The Podcast of Terror is a great podcast. It's covering movies that are not for children, and thus this podcast is not for children. The hosts are two adults who will use bad words from time to time. They'll also spoil movies if that's not your thing. So if you don't like spoilers and you don't want to hear some dirty language or some dirty references to dirty parts of your body, then please, please, please wash your body parts better and do not listen to this show. If you can handle it, and I hope you can because there's a great podcast coming up, then please proceed with Podcast of Terror. Corey, I couldn't help but notice that you're wearing a shirt. I try to whenever possible. Uh, there were laws passed. What are the odds that you wear a shirt every day of your life? Almost forty percent. At a boy. Well, let me let me tell you about a little uh, sales bonanza we got going here. We got some friends. These uh, these friends got some codes. Go visit our friends uh, at the Hate. That's the. If you can't spell the, go back to school. Hate H V I I I dot com. Use the code HPG fifteen get fifteen percent off your order. And if your tits still require more fabric. Go to status. I need to double up. You got to double, double. You never have too much tit fabric. Go to statusforyourmerch.com, use the code TERROR, and, uh, and get you some sweet discounts there. Welcome to episode 95 of the Podcast of Terror, a production of the Galactic Network. We are um, we're recording this after the pot shot that you may or may not have already listened to. So I'm earning a couple of uh, oat sodas in. I am your host, Matt Stein. This is a production of the Galactic Network. And with me, as always, Corey, I fuck Scott. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> is that I'm fucking myself or is that? My middle name, or no, your middle name is I fuck because middle name Scott out there who's just getting it from Corey. Nope, 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 nope. Your your middle name is I fuck because this guy fucks. Oh, it's not I is the proper. No, you don't. I fuck Scott in the socket. You fuck, (laughs) and your last name Scott. I I personally fuck. This guy fucks. Personally, must be a nickname. This guy fucks. That's that really. I don't. (laughs) Yeah, you're married. (laughs) <laughs> no one fucks when you're married. For more on this podcast, including show notes, content information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash bot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows at gncast.com slash sign up. And while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter. Um, this week we're going to be talking about a little film from 2015 called Gravy. It's not about the actual gravy. It's not about Thanksgiving. Real upset about both of those things. A little hungry. It, it, it takes place on Devil's Night, actually. I don't get but why we'll get it's called that. gravy. It'd be, uh, we'll, we'll I mean, we'll, we'll get into, get into, into it. it, but before we do our news, Corey, what you drinking? Uh, I am popping the cap finally on this yeah. Mountain Dew that is probably now room temperature, which kind of sucks, but whatever. Sorry, I'm doing a glass bottle. That's what you got to have to enjoy life. And uh, not have children unless you want to get an operation. So what is it? It's Mountain Dew. Oh, I didn't see when you held it up. Sorry, I was doing 12 other things. I was uncapping it. Attaboy. Get that label out. Um, Sponsors, welcome. Yep, yep. 
Pepsi, Mountain Dew, if you want to sponsor us, go for it. Um, during the pot shot, I drank Founders Dirty Bastard Scotch Ale. It's super fucking good. I had a Founders Curmudgeon, which is also very fucking good. And then a, a beer called uh, Golden Ale Potosi from I don't know where. I threw the bottle away because I had to <laughs> I had to refill to do this. Uh, right now, I have Midnight Sun Treat. This is literally one of my favorite beers ever. It is an Imperial Chocolate Pumpkin Porter because I'm a white girl and an alcoholic. Are you on your fourth beer right now? I am. The first three wow. were small bottles. This one, it's a big guy. <laughs> they weren't mini bottles. They were like shit that they give you on an airplane. They were actually no, bottles. Well, they were like 12-ounce bottles. bottles. Um, it's barely a sniff. I was thirsty. Don't harsh my mellow. Um, yeah, let's do some let's do some news, and then we'll talk about gravy. I don't know. I don't even know what we do here anymore. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea is getting a sequel. I haven't seen the first one. I don't know why. Oh my god! One. How have you not seen the first one? Easily, I didn't watch it. Uh, I'm not a a giant <laughs> shark movie fan. I had only in the last couple of years, probably maybe a year or two before we started doing this podcast, finally seen Jaws. And that was on a a recommendation from uh, Glenn uh, Rubenstein, who we had on here recently, when I used to do the What We're Watching Weekly show with him over on Spreecast. But Deep Blue Sea, man, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of beloved, and I'm not exactly sure why, other than the fact that it's got... Samuel Jackson and LL Cool J in it, and once you've got those two dudes in a movie, you can't really go too far wrong. But that's true. They are making a sequel to a movie that is twenty years old. I I, I don't remember exactly when it came out. It certainly doesn't seem necessary. It it certainly doesn't seem like this is the property that everybody's been waiting to come back to. But on the other hand, there's been hasn't there been like two recent shark movies in the theaters? Like, uh, in the theaters, I don't know, but they keep doing Sharknadoes, which we've obviously well, the Sharknadoes absolutely, but they have the one that's out right now with Mandy Moore, and what? they had one right before it with Blake Lively, what? where she was cha- yeah, dude, the sharks shark movies are big at the moment because the Blake Lively one happened, and then the Mandy Moore one, what I don't even think was supposed to come out in the theater, uh, was going to be a direct video or maybe a, a made for TV thing, but then went to the theaters. I, I could be wrong on this. But it seemed like it got more of a push because of the Blake Lively movie right before it happening. Um, Weird. Yeah, but yeah. Is Aaron Eckhart in Deep Blue Sea? Is that what I remember correctly? Oh, for uh, no. For, I'm trying to find out what fucking shark movie Mandy Moore was in. Uh, well, Blake Lively's one was The, Shadow, the Shallows. 47 and... meters down? Yes. Oh, okay. That's... That, I'm like, that's the only one that makes sense. Mandy Moore is in the Tangled sequel, which is fucking Oh, yeah, because she was in the original. Oh, there's no, a TV the series. Thing. Get yeah. fucked, Tangled. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Tangled movie was actually pretty good. I don't know what you're crapping on. I, I, I don't know, man. I kept thinking of Frozen. Yeah, 47 meters down, uh, two sisters vacationing in Mexico are trapped in a shark cage at the bottom of the ocean with less than an hour of oxygen left. Great white sharks circling nearby. They must fight to survive. Shouldn't have gotten in it in the first place. And yeah, dumb. I don't know why. Why do you do that? What's because you're what a dumb white whole... girl? 
Eh, micro problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great white. Stupid. Uh, but yeah, Deep Blue Sea. So I don't know, man. What I, yeah. I can't imagine what the the pull is for this, but I do agree, at least on the surface, huh? that Deep Blue Sea was <laughs> was a fun movie. It's it's I think it's kind of maybe a little bit like the Jurassic Park of of shark movies. It's just it's got the right kind of energy. It's but it the ending was weird. I felt like the ending was maybe a little uncalled for. One of the characters that dies, I'm just like, it. really? That didn't seem like it made any sense at all. Yeah. But I'd probably see this. I don't know that I'd see this in the theater, but I would probably watch this. I feel like it would be one that I would check out just for what it is, as long as it's a legitimate sequel, which I don't know. Not enough is left from the first one to make it a legitimate sequel. Just got to have LL. You just got to get LL in there. And at that point, you might as well do a sequel to uh, Halloween H2O. Ladies love cool L back in that. God damn right they do. Yeah, so love. it's going to be a video on demand DVD Blu-ray before airing on Sci-Fi because Sci-Fi gets all of the shit. Yeah. No release date. Who <sighs> gives a fuck? It's just for Shark Week. Everything comes out for Shark Week on Sci-Fi these days. Shark Week is once a month in my house. Uh, more news that you didn't know that you needed, but you apparently need because we're about to talk about it. Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark, will guide players through the Call of the Duty. Call of the Booty. If it were up to me. Uh, Call of Duty's Attack of the Radioactive Thing DLC. Um, this is DLC for Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which is Call of Duty 8, so their sixth piece of shit that they put out. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't even, fuck you, Infinity Ward, Call of Duty, and Sledgehammer, <laughs> and whoever made that, that game was so good, and then you turned it into a street hooker. <laughs> I was gonna ask, have you played the Call of Duty games? It sounds like you have. I did. I, I call it Modern Warfare was a, f- a phenomenal game. It was it was first one like multiplayer video gaming was huge, and then I bought Infinite Warfare and Advanced Warfare, and it was like like trying crack. Like maybe it'll be as good as the first time, and it was never the same. Um, you have fucking jetpacks, and you're getting jerked off in the back alley. That part's false. I lied about that. Um, it's not... I don't know, man. It's not very good. But this makes me want to play it, which sucks because that's what they're fucking doing. It, it's, it sounds like a good tell. It says, along with Elvira's presence in the game, uh, genre fans will certainly appreciate the classic sci-fi and horror theming, which will see the return of Willard Wyler, the enigmatic movie director villain portrayed and uh, portrayed with voice and likeness by Paul Rubens, uh, Pee Wee Herman. Weiler has trapped the four protagonists inside an all-new horror film set in the 1950s and in the style of the creature feature films of that era. Players will fight a new array of zombie enemies across a ravaged beach town where a government science experiment has transformed the residents into flesh-devouring zombies and introduced a new biological menace into the city. So you get Paul Rubens and you've got Elvira, Mr. Dark, Cassandra Peterson, who is... Uh, one of the one of the introductions to my stepfather that I can recall was I didn't know a lot about the guy at that point in time, but I knew that he was really into Elvira and he had the Elvira movie on VHS 
and and they watched it a lot. And then it's actually a really fun movie, uh, the first one. I don't know if he had the sequel or not. She's great. She's amazing, and she's another one of those. It, I know Hollywood always like to say that that their actors get older and they get better looking, and their actresses get older and they you know stop getting parts in films and stuff, which sucks. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that that's true, though. That seems unfortunately to be the case. But she is one of those women who seems to get more beautiful uh, as she ages, uh, and and I I think she's very pretty, not as Elvira. But certainly as Elvira, there's there's something magical about her. And and she's got one of those personalities that just kind of rings out and, and has brought so many so much attention to the horror films in general. Uh maybe for different reasons, but it all kind of equals out the same thing because think she's a true fan. Ten out of ten would being Elvira. <laughs> uh, I, I would just like to meet her. I think she she that's the other thing too, is that a lot of people have met her at shows and stuff. Uh, she seems to be really sweet and the, wonderful. Fun fact, the uh, first guy that tattooed me has a Elvira tattooed on his forearm. Shout out She's Chris iconic. Schultz. She yeah. is a total icon. Yeah. He's he, That dude is such a huge fan of like old school horror movies that his nickname was Von Schlitzy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, also loves Schlitzbeer. Man. Chris yeah, is I, Chris is one of the fucking coolest people I've ever met in my entire life. If I could get him to talk on a podcast, I would have him on here, but he's super quiet in person. Throw strangely, so am I. What? No. I, I, mean, I, I literally, what you get is what you get. Yeah. I talk I as much in here as I did when we hung out <laughs> that one time. And you drink twice as much. <laughs> That's because I'm sitting here. If I... If fucking Bubba Gump brought me more beers, I would, I would have had more beer at Bubba <laughs> Gump's. <sighs> I blame Travis. Uh, so Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, get you get to have her lead you through the new Call of Duty expansion pack, which sounds like a... I don't know anything about the Call of Duty games, but that sounds like a pretty cool uh, DLC to have. No, it sounds super cool, but unfortunately... Um, that's ah, just shit. Anyways, <laughs> you don't like the actual game itself. So no, the it's, DLC it's, for it doesn't matter. Yeah, the game. game's gotten pretty bad. Um, fucking kids. Uh, the next story we have the uh, coming from our friends over at Her Geek Life. Um, the uh, Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen reboot will embrace the blood and practical effects, which I don't. I know nothing about the Hellboy comic books or any of its origin. Um, but I, I could see it being like super gruesome and bloody. Yeah, the, the Hellboy comics are dark. Uh, they do certainly they 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 seem a little bit more classic monstery to me as well. Uh, but they it is a horror themed comic book with a somewhat superheroic character in the form of Hellboy in it. And then when you include the uh, the Bureau of paranormal research and development the bprd with uh ape sabian and and liz and the the different power sets they have and everything it becomes kind of more of a superhero spy book but the elements of the stories themselves are very much in the the horror genre and the films with ron perlman were mainstream as as they should have been and and certainly the expectations from 
from superhero movies or comic book movies at the time that those came out kind of demanded that they be that way to get any kind of success. Uh, and I wish they would have been bigger successes. I think they're one of those things that do much better in hindsight. But now in the the era of Deadpool being one of the most successful films, the most successful R-rated film of all time, and being based off of comic book properties, gives it the opportunity to say, we're going to get back to the basics with the new Hellboy in a way that they weren't able to do before. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the the fact that uh, Perlman and Del Toro were not coming back for the new film, but they were, had already kind of determined that anyways, they weren't going to come back and do a third one. So when the new movies got announced uh, with a different creative uh, control with uh, Neil Marshall from uh, Dog Soldiers and Game of Thrones and David Harbour from Stranger Things, uh, David taking on the role, people were disappointed, but we kind of should have already adjusted to the disappointment at that point already. Now it says that the the films are going to be looked at in a a different makeup than than what they were before uh we've been granted permission to do it r-rated which for me is like taking the cuffs off uh marshall explained it's like okay so we can now just make the movie we want to make it's not like i'm going to force it to be r-rated but if it is if it happens to come out that way just because of its own sensibilities then fine and nobody's going to stop us so that's the main difference and I'm sure, obviously, the success of things like Deadpool and Logan have not hurt that cause. But also, when you go back to the original material, it's kind of bloody, so I'm going to embrace that. And I don't know. I, I don't look at Del Toro's stuff and think of it as digital effects or or practical effects. I just think that his his monster movie aesthetic is terrific and always looks great on the screen. But I certainly appreciate practical effects more in modern day movies it, it seems that there's a there's a fine line between practical for the sake of practical and cgi for the sake of cgi but when they're utilized together in the correct way i think they look really excellent and so i like to see people who do practical effects get kind of used more uh but that's also not to take away the people who do cgi as long as it's done well and this sounds like it's going to embrace the the two but lean more towards the practical which is usually for me aesthetically what i like more yeah i um going back to what you said about the 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 films not being pg-13 is um it seems like ever since deadpool came out like all of these movies are like it's okay to be rated r it always was it's just for i think they were shooting for a pg-13 to try and um, entice the masses instead of actually appeal to the, the crowd that they should be appealing to. Yeah, and I don't know, the kids are really, certainly when you, when you have your Frozen come out or, or Despicable Me or whatever, kids, like young kids, run to the theaters and, and their parents take them there and they're usually also in the summertime so it's like, let's drop them off someplace where we can get some air conditioning and and get them out of our hair for a little bit or whatever. But I don't know that the PG-13 sect is really quite as important anymore because kids are watching stuff streaming more than anything, and they're, I don't see them going to the theaters as much. I think it happens, but I think that as many people go to see R-rated movies as they do anything else now, whereas when I was a kid, maybe that was a different case. 
Although when I was a kid, we also used to just buy the tickets to whichever movie we felt like we had to to get in to watch what movie we wanted to. Or sometimes they just didn't give a shit. Okay, it's rated R. Uh, You're 14? Who gives a fuck, man? I make five bucks an hour if I'm happy. Just do what you're going to do. So, yeah, I... The times are at the end of the day, the stuff is going to hit the theater for a couple of months, but then it's going to live on in Netflix and everywhere else. And that's where everybody's going to watch it who wants to see it because there are no lockups for that. So just make the best movie that you can and and do it for the right story and for the right audience. And then the audience will find you. Yep. Um, The new Hellboy starts filming late fall of this year. Or excuse me, fall this year with a late uh, 2018 release. I don't know. I read it three minutes ago and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking deal with it. This is. It sounds right. Yeah, I, I believe in you, man. It's coming out late 2018. I remember that part. Um, the last news story we have: Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky. Okay, all right. Takes female lead in Hulu's Castle Rock. the The name Castle Rock rings a bell. But I don't know what I, I know nothing about it. Castle Rock is the town that a lot of Stephen King's stories take That's place in, like Cujo and uh, I can't remember them all. But they all kind of cross over the Dark Half. It Needful Things are all in the place of Castle Rock. So Castle Rock is a TV series that is original to Hulu. Uh, that's going to be on their streaming service. That is going to focus in that town now i don't know how much it's going to have crossover with the characters that already have existed uh, but hulu's already done an 11 63 series based on king's work uh so they have a good relationship with king on his other stuff so melanie linsky are you familiar with her at all um by name no uh let me look she is from new zealand she was in heavenly creatures which is an early work of peter jackson uh it had her and kate winslet uh but this is pete jackson at the time that he was doing the the meet the feebles and doing dead alive and bad taste and that sort of stuff so this is this is early Peter Jackson. Uh, Heavenly Creatures was 1994, so it's still before he had gotten into the mode of doing uh, Hobbits, everything. And uh, she was <laughs> in the Frighteners briefly. She's she's shown up in some of the stuff. She also she played Charlie's on again, off again, psycho stalker girlfriend on Two and a Half Men. Uh, she's great. Uh, she's certainly one of my favorite actresses, and uh, I think is going to bring a, a certain amount of respect for me for this role. She was also in the Stephen King miniseries Rose Red mm-hmm. uh, several years ago on ABC. Also in this, which I think is is just as interesting, if not more, uh, Jane Levy, who was in Don't Breathe recently and was in the remake of The Evil Dead, and Sissy Spacek, who played Carrie, is going to be in this. So right off the bat, those are three actresses that I am a fan of. Some cases like Spacek for a long time. I remember being a little kid and seeing Coal Miner's Daughter with her and thinking that she was so great in that. But she's just done an enormous body of work since then that's all been really good stuff. Uh, This adds a level to this that I don't know that I was expecting from what sounds like 
what could have been a standard sci-fi television show now it seems a little bit more intriguing so the the characters are all going to mix it up in this town i don't know you have you we've talked about stephen king so much but i don't remember if you've actually read much of his stuff or if you're a uh, fan of it oh, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge fan of stephen king my mom read stephen king uh, as i was growing up so i'm sure is the majority of her life so Stephen King has always been something that has been in part of my life, <clears throat> but I'm much more of a visual person. So I tried reading, reading. I tried listening to The Dark Tower because the movie's coming out, and um, I just if a book on tape is on, I tend to space out. But with that being said, like it, Langoliers, Tommyknockers, The Stand, I I love all of those movies. Yeah, and those are all the the made for TV movies. Mm-hmm. Those are all versions that were made for the. Uh, I wouldn't mind at some point watching because I remember it from a, from being a kid and it's scaring the shit out of me. Uh, I wouldn't mind us reviewing Salem's Lot at some point. Okay, we need because there was for next week. So do you want to do that one? We'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but that that's definitely one that like I remember only a specific scene from that, and it just. Oh man, that just drove me crazy as a kid. I'm like, I had nightmares for weeks after that part. But yeah, I, I, same thing. I've seen more Stephen King films than than anything else. Yep. Than reading his book, and and the only couple of books that I've read, I've tried to get through the first Dark Tower book right when I moved to California and didn't make it all the way. But that was as much circumstances of my life as the book itself. I've read Eyes of the Dragon and then his his book on writing, which is terrible representation for the rest of Stephen King as I understand it. So I wouldn't mind getting into more of his stuff, but this is an interesting way to do it because one of the things about Stephen King that is so compelling to me is the connected universe stuff. Yeah. Is the concept of these these characters having some interaction, which is kind of what the Dark Tower is. Uh, it's these characters having a shared world. Uh, that's That's all completely compelling. And I'd like to see how that works out. And this is kind of a, a taste of that in a way that I guess the Dark Tower is going to be in the movie as well, since we've seen in the clips things of uh, of the mentioning Pennywise. And I think they mentioned something about either the Shining in that or Cujo in that that all kind of wound up. We have a new guest. <laughs> Just random dog shut up. Yeah, my dog... Uh... Officer O.T. Booger. That's his legal name, too. <laughs> That's his, his legal name. We have that on his little birth certificate. It is. It, well, his his original name was Oliver, and the people that uh, decided they didn't want him anymore gave him to us. Uh, we called him Officer Ollie to Booger. And just watch him nest real quick if you're watching the video. If you're listening to this, this is boring as fuck. Um, but if you're listening to this, you should... Go to our YouTube and take and a watch, yeah, because he is adorable. <laughs> I fucking love that dog. I got him tattooed on me, but yeah, his uh, his name is Officer OT Booger because we call him Ollie to Booger. Yeah, he's so just watch him nest real quick. Did he figure out how to open the door himself? No, I was a lot of men. I wasn't, I, was well, I, saw, I just saw her arm pop open and I'm like, which dog is on its way in? Uh, she <laughs> sent me a couple pictures. There were dogs sitting outside the door sleeping, waiting. Oh, one of them waiting for me. The other just waiting for the dog bed. (laughs) Either way. So Castle Rock. When does it it come out? 
doesn't come out ever. Has it already come out? I, no, it has not come out. They've, they've just started announcing the cast and stuff for okay. it, so I don't even know that it's actually started filming yet. Well, when uh, I looked when I looked at uh, Melanie's IMDb, I saw like six episodes listed, so there must be a little more to this. Not that I'm... Let me go back there real quick. I'm almost there. Do you subscribe to Hulu? No, I do not. Um, I haven't, but this might be the thing that gets me to do it. I always say that. that it's like, what's oh. the show that's going to get me to, to start a subscription to this service? What's the nope. one that's going to get me to sign up for Amazon Prime? Hmm. Uh, this might be it for me. I have, Am- I have Amazon Prime for the shipping, but it, it, it's listed as 2018 on IMDb, and she's listed as through the first 10 episodes. Is yeah, a character named season. Molly Strand. So we'll see. But yeah, I guess it's 2018 at some point. Um, yeah, before so before we get into uh, gravy, unless you had more to say, and I cut you off like a dick. No? Okay, okay. Sh- shake your head like a beautiful little hair mobble you are. Um, before we get into the uh, discussion of our movie Gravy, which may not be much for discussion because beer, um, I want to talk uh, a little, little bit about a thing. Let me take a sip first. Uh, I do want to thank a little fellow named Brian Jensen, who recently became a supporter of the Galactic Network. If you are interested in becoming a supporter, go ahead and go to gncast.com slash support. That will uh, link you to our Patreon page. You can go ahead and uh, there's options. I don't know what they are right now because I don't have it up uh, in front of me in beer. But uh, our our friend Growly Bear, who we talk about literally every week, a fucking sweetheart. The man ignores work to listen to us. Man after my own heart. He's also a supporter. You can be uh, right up there with the, the likes of Growly and our friend Brian here. Uh, you can support us. It it keeps the show free for you. A little upset Corey hasn't cut me off yet, but um, it's free for you. <laughs> I'm just letting you milk this as far as you want to go. With it. I'm, milking, I'm milking the Patreon teats. Um, but yeah, basically you help us uh, offset the cost of uh, hosting these podcasts, putting them out. Yada, yada, yada. Shaboopy. shaboom shaboom shaboom. all right this 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 movie film gravy so uh i expected something about gravy yeah not a gravy it it's not a it's not a gravy it's not it's not the the sequel to ghost ship so it's not a gravy boat it's it's uh but it is about sweet sweet Eaten of humans. That was fucking weird. I read <laughs> nothing about this movie, and I'm like, oh, weird. They're gonna start eating people. Not even they didn't even use gravy. They didn't murder people. With gravy. I'm sure as the night went on, it, the the hardest part is is you have to start with a roux. You have to mix <sighs> things together. You got to use it's not the, that difficult the to make gravy, to... children. But, but it's it it's a time consuming thing, and it seemed like they were on a timeline for the for the couple of meals that we did see uh, i have had this movie on my dvr i took a picture of it since august of last year i've been waiting <laughs> for us to get to this and I, i've been looking forward to watching the movie since before that now uh first things first this is a movie that was written and directed by james rode uh i forget the other person who wrote it with him but they james is from the tv show psych which i am a huge fan of psych is coming back with a 
uh, made-for-TV movie uh, in the next year or so. They just recently announced it. So James Rode and Dulé Hill and all of the gang, uh, Maggie Lawson and Timothy Amundsen, uh, I think Corbin Burson, and all of them are coming back to do this. I love Psych. I watch the reruns. They're on at like midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning. And I should sleep more than I do, and I don't. But I watched them all when it was on. <laughs> Just like Monk. And and I keep waiting for Monk to have a TV movie as well, because that's something I would love to have come back. So I knew that this was out, and I knew that uh, James and and some people who were associated with the show, Michael Weston, has appeared on the show a couple of times. Michael Weston is one of those guys that you'll see him and you go, oh, yeah, that's Charlie Day from Always Sunny. No, it's not. But you've seen him in so many things. Yes. I knew you were gonna say it. I, no, I and, like... and it's not that I knew it wasn't Charlie Day, but the problem was was he was such a Charlie Day ripoff. But he's he's not exactly, but he was certainly playing a cartoonish mm-hmm. character in this that was mm-hmm. a that was akin to to Charlie on Always Sunny, which is not a bad character to emulate because No, I I love shit. Sonny and I love Charlie. It's yep. just <sighs> That's the first thing I thought of. There was like a solid 20 minutes where I was like, is that Charlie Day? Is that not Charlie Day? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Simpson is also in this, and he's been on Psych a few times. And Jimmy just recently was on Westworld on HBO. But you'll recognize him also from Always Sunny because he is one of the, he's, the family uh, that... He's, I think he's Cricket. No, he's thought- not Cricket. He's one of the brothers, the the family that hates Charlie. <laughs> And always comes to the the bar and tortures them, and they walk around in the bathrobes yes. and their underwear, uh, and 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 so it's almost like they they should have had Poils. the other guy from the Poils, the McPoyle family, yes, the McPoyles, yeah. Uh, so Jimmy's great uh, comedic actor, uh, Jimmy, who actually used to be married to Melanie Linsky. I didn't realize that they had divorced recently, but that means she's open for me. Uh, and <laughs> who else? Um. Gabrielle Sidby, I could never pronounce her name. Uh, you would recognize her from uh, Precious. Uh, Sarah Silverman is in this. Yep. Lily Cole, uh, Paul Rodriguez, aka Pablo, Gabrielle Luna. A lot of great mo- people in this movie, and it is definitely if you are a fan of the show Psych, and you want to see it amped up into a R-rated film with cannibalism and people getting tortured and and everything in the middle of the night on the eve of halloween this is the movie for you yeah those are all the things that you're looking for in a movie that's uh certainly where you should go look so Kind of also throwback to psych, but I want to I want to point this out because one of the things that I was taking with was of, as I'm watching this is the soundtrack. Uh, the music kind of leads you along. It starts out at the very beginning with uh, Michael Wesson's character uh, Anson going into a a party store slash gas station store at, at night, and they're playing "Sowing the Seeds of Love." By Tears for Fears, and he's singing along. And Tears for Fears again, one of the guys who used to show up on Psych, and they kept bringing him out in in jokes. So I thought it was cool that they used his music for this. But the music in this kind of really led you around. Some of the songs were very cutesy, kiddish in horrific ways, and the way they were used. But I just the soundtrack wasn't quite up there with like a Guardians of the Galaxy 
uh, by James Gunn, but it felt very similar and the music felt important towards the scenes it was used in. it wasn't just background stuff and it wasn't something as blatant as what they did with suicide squad uh or as cheap to, to use the effect but i felt like everything as i'm going along and the music whatever song starts playing i'm like oh shit that's a great choice and it it made the scenes feel a little bit more evocative of what they were already doing yeah so did you have some problems with this not really. I just I I didn't know what the you the, didn't know what was going to happen. Nope. I had no idea what the uh, concept of the movie was. And no idea what the plot was. The motivation. So I I really can't complain about anything because I didn't know what I was going into it. I didn't I didn't know what it was going into it. Yep. So, so there was nothing to I, really be let down about. I just I assumed gravy. I, I guess the eating you're makes really sense. For gravy. Just like you're always looking for your turkey chili recipe. I do love turkey. Uh, we're, we're I love weekly. turkey chilies. Um, uh, but but the yeah, thing is is so the it, of the movie. Yeah, it made sense that that they ate him. But going into it, I didn't know what it was. So it was like when he was uh, digging through the ice cream chest and he was getting ice cream at the, the the gas station. I expected something to happen in terms of plot gravy, and, and that didn't happen. So if my biggest complaint about this movie is that the name doesn't fit the plot, that's okay. Yeah, I I liken this probably both the name and and the style of the movie itself to the movie Feast that we watched last year. Because it's just so over the top and crazy and it's everybody trapped in this one room uh which is in this case a restaurant in feast they were all trapped in a bar but feast was a more sci-fi version because it had to do with alien creatures and stuff they were coming around and trying to eat everybody this is being trapped by what is a couple of brothers and one of the brothers girlfriends who they had picked up the year before every year on the eve of halloween which for me being from detroit it's called devil's night uh, they go and they lock themselves into a place with a bunch of people that are there. They weld up the door so that no one can get in or out. And they spend the night going through games and stuff to determine what order they're going to kill and eat each of the people in. Mm-hmm. And the, the the rest of the film is just going through the sequences and seeing that happen and getting an understanding of the characters who are, have instigated this and the characters who are the victims in this case. And we very early on dispatch of the would-be hero who is the manager of the restaurant, probably the owner, because all of these people around him are his friends or his family and are loyal to him. And uh, Jimmy Simpson, as Steph, basically says, yeah, we can't really let you do that because that's going to ruin it for us. We have to kill this linchpin uh, for everybody else so that we can kind of manipulate them more and get them over to how we want things to go. So it was very odd. It was odd, but it was very comedic. It, it's There's a loyalty between... The two killers uh, between the the brothers, uh, Steph and Anson, and there's certainly a loyalty that Steph has to his girlfriend Mimi, uh, Lily Cole's character. We find out at some point in the in the film 
we find out that Lily Cole was one of the would-be victims from the year before. And she basically just turns her back to everybody getting killed. And she's like, this is boring. You know, if you're going to kill them, do it the right way. Or I hated that bitch or whatever. And she speaks in a British accent. And so Steph is already really into her. And she seems much more sadistic. But what it is, is it turns out, we find out later on, and, and here's where spoilers are coming in, is that she did it to be able to survive. But she also seems kind of into it. Like it, it, it was, it was a matter of I have to do this to be able to live through this. But she fakes the English accent, so we find out that she's actually yeah, American. That was, that, in reality, she is English. She is. So, but she, and, and that does a pretty blew, good American accent. Oh, when she, I agree. But that blew my mind when I was like, "Oh, she's really, she, her her fake accent was real, and her her real accent is fake." I also don't know if it was a real hair color. Uh, it is. She's a super I'm duper redhead. Yeah, apparently uh, tall as fuck too. I googled that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the 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 guys come in. They weld up the doors. They start holding everybody hostage. There is one guy. I think it's Bert, who. Starts out the night drunk. He had proposed to his girlfriend in the bar and she refused him and said she was interested in this girl in a emo cover band. Uh, I think it, she was a, in a cover band for Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> and she's like, I'm leaving you for her. And so the guy's just been sitting at the bar getting drunk and he's just totally down on his luck and, and keeps talking to her image in different places. And so he avoids getting captured at the beginning but he's still in the bar with everybody else because he falls on his way out of the bathroom, trips and knocks himself out. And it happens to the best of us. Seems to for him. <laughs> the, it is a scene after scene of waiting for people to die and along with the, the group deciding which people are going to die. What I thought was was interesting, and I don't know because we don't know what their, their past was, is... They get the cook, the chef, mm-hmm. a French guy named uh, Yannick, to prepare the different people. Like once they killed the the boss of the place, Chewy, they they have him make essentially the appetizer for the main course as as the meals are supposed to go on. And they say they they, they basically get called down, and it's like they try to say, "Oh, we're going to let you live if you do these things, and we're going to determine all this stuff." And then they kind of all realize, yeah, but why would you weld the sh- door shut if you're just going to rob us? You yep. know, why would you make it so that you can't get out and we can't get out if you if your whole object is to take the money and, and leave as quickly as possible? And they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. We're we're not we're not here to rob you. We're here to eat all of you. And so no one's really going to live. Although they still make promises here and there of like, if you do this right, you you may live through the night. Uh, and they all kind of get the same reckoning of no you're not gonna ever release us mm-hmm. so they work in their own ways to fight back but the the chef yannick does these brilliant recipes because he's a very very good chef but we find out over time that he has a dark past and so that's why he's working in this kind of not shithole but not technically really fantastic mexican restaurant as the chef there he's he's able to work far below his station because of necessity, because he did something fucked up where he poisoned somebody with uh, blowfish. 
Which comes into play later. Which comes into play later. Where he poisons Which... a McPoyle with basil. Yeah. It and and that's the other part of this, is that you're waiting to see them fight back. You're waiting to see them kind of get released. I didn't understand exactly why they let one of them free, uh, which is what they did. Um, it wasn't cricket. It must have been uh, not Bethany. Oh, it was Carrie. They let Carrie free because she won the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon competition, oh, was, which is one of the fucking hilarious to see who lives. Um, and they're like, yeah, you'll be able to get up and stretch your legs and stuff like that. But she then uses her freedom to kind of seduce Anson yep. Yep. Uh, to to basically like put herself in the same situation that Mimi's character was the year before. It's like, I'll I'll be able to do this to get my way out of this. But with that, she works in tandem with Yannick the chef to basically poison Steph with the the basil uh the chef uses a weird code and then they keep referencing like oh that's the easiest thing anybody should be able to spot this code um but it's done in such a weird roundabout way there we get to see a a building relationship between cricket who is the sort of queen bitch character at the beginning uh the way that she's talking to her friend on the phone they're all supposed to go to some college party and she just she's the basic mean girl uh, between her character and um, Hector, uh, Gabriel Luna's character, who is the bad boy, has a prison record, is working with his uncle. His uncle has saved him from going back to jail, essentially, by giving a job there. And, and as they're trying to escape, it kind of builds up. It was like, you know, maybe they'll get together. Maybe there are a final two. Uh, <laughs> there's not a final two in this. Nope none whatsoever it it definitely takes it like nobody comes out of the sunscape no and and many don't make it out alive Mm-mm. and that's that's the thing is that this kind of movie i find it very funny but it is a lot of torture the freakiest scene to me was not even any of the scenes with blood it's that first moment when they kind of reveal what they're going to do when they say we're going to eat all of you. And then they all get into people's faces like, Oh, you think that, that we're just going to let you go or whatever. And then, uh, Steph starts sticking his tongue all over cricket's face. Fucking weird. And Mimi is, is up in someone else's face. And, uh, Anson has got his nose right up to the eyeball of Carrie. Like it was so intense and so uncomfortable, and you're just watching, like, yeah, you know, how far is this really going to go? And it's it's very violating, and it, it certainly makes them feel demeaned mm-hmm. and makes them feel like they have no control, which realistically they don't. And that's this whole situation, but it gives it a weight that I don't think someone just kind of announcing to the room can do. Like, yeah, you feel for them, you feel fear for them. But until you see that kind of demonstration, and that demonstration was so intense in a way that is, again, it's not it's not a rape scene. It's not a torture scene. It's not a, a saw torture porn scene. But it does give you that same effect as any of those things would. That made me uncomfortable. 
and then some of the the individual deaths made me a little uncomfortable and certainly there are characters that i rooted for that you shouldn't root for anybody because again nobody makes it out either alive or completely okay but you you kind of at a point or another you think oh well but this character's so cool and that character goes and you just feel like ah shit you know so it's not a feel good movie but it is a really funny movie right and everything that they did had a level of of humor to it that makes it a little bit more palatable for me and i know that these are the kind of movies that i tend to pick out i'm the one who recommended feast the first time i certainly lean towards stuff that's got a bit of comedy to it when it's my turn to choose and there's nothing wrong with that just wait till it's my turn to choose you son of a bitch uh, i think it is actually it is actually but uh with that being said anything else you want to say or should we go to the fab cave yeah, unless we just went and broke down every every scene, every murder in this, and I don't want to do that. If you haven't seen Gravy yet, uh, do it. I would say, I would say, check it out. I would say, look at it for yourself. See how you feel about it. Give us some feedback on it. We'd like to hear it. And and I know this was playing on cable last year. It might still be available on one of the movie channels now. It it doesn't seem like it's that hard to find, and it. It seems like a nice little discovery when you get the chance to actually see it. If you if you just pass it up because the title was misleading, like yeah. it was for Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time it's on, check it out. Yep. Corey, let's go to the Fab Cave. All right. When if we go you... to the Fab Cave, do we ever take the Fatmobile? Mm, we could. It's going to be I weird, mean, though, because it's like a one-seater with a big black dildo in the middle. Yeah. That's not a gear <laughs> shift. That's that's not a gear shift. That's my penis. Maybe it's a gear shift. I don't even know. Um, if you are unfamiliar with the FAP scale, eventually when I get back to where I'm going, uh, it is the uh, three three categories, or the three tiered scare. Oh, Jesus Christ! The three <laughs> tiered scale. scale of masturbatory awesomeness. Uh, we'll start off with the feature. How was the story of the movie Gravy? How was the acting? A zero to five scale. Corey has the guest that we don't have. So it's right. you. It's just me. Uh, I I thought this was very interesting. I thought it was very well done. I, I like the little kooky moments where uh, Bert was was talking to his girlfriend in his head or having images of her in like a comic booky thought yes. bubble. Uh, I like the when they did the flashback to when they met Mimi, them showing it on a black and white projector uh, in a smaller screen within the the big screen of like you're watching an old home movie or or a classic film. I like those little touches because it gave it an air of silliness, but also care. Everything kind of stood apart onto its own and it again originality maybe not it's not like this is a story that hasn't ever been told before the type of story at least it is but it did good things with it and it it certainly treated the characters with respect uh even ones that weren't there for very long that were meant to be around very long so i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a four i uh i give it a three less explanation than that I love how you never say why. <laughs> I just I go through this whole long-winded process of like, here's why I'm rating it this way, and here's what I thought. And I don't have to explain kind of myself. You absolutely don't. I'm just glad that Son you're keeping your pants bitch. on. 
I have to pee real bad right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that's uh, what's uh, what's uh, what's the next? Uh, the attention, the rewatchability. How, uh, <laughs> the thing you don't have at all. How does the movie? You made the scoring system. I, I know that's fucking problem. Does this movie earn a place on your shelf? Would you recommend it to your friends? Uh, after a year on my DVR, I didn't directly delete it after <laughs> I watched it because I, I want my wife to see it. First of all, I don't know if she's ever sat down to see it. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it does. I think that I would, it, as uncomfortable as it is, it's it's so funny. And and the little, the dialogue, the dialogue really sticks out for me. The character work, the dialogue easily makes it something that I would watch again. And, and I would highly recommend it. So I'm, I'm going to go four again for that. Hmm. I gave it a two. Um, I enjoyed it. I just, I just, <clears throat> I don't know how much I will run to go ahead and rewatch this movie. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad in any way, but it's, there wasn't so much of it being memorable that um, I'm just going to go ahead and like run back to watch it. Now you were asking earlier if there was a sequel planned. Simply where, because where... the end, because the end shows um, what's or nuts. Carrie. Uh, Carrie taking pictures of what's his cock. Anton and Bethany. Yep. So I, I that that's really it. I was just curious because it doesn't it leaves it very open ended. If there is a second one, I would watch it. Mostly because Corey will probably make me watch it. I mean that's well we haven't watched Feast Two or Three yet, but Yet. That's, that's we something. also haven't watched Critters two through four. No, and we need to. Yep. Last category. God damn it, Corey, I have to pee. The last category we have is panic. Uh, the effects, the uh, were you surprised? Were you kept on the edge of your seat? Me? Yeah, you. Who the fuck else? <laughs> I'm just torturing you now. <laughs> uh, the effects were pretty good. And there was certain things that I was not expecting, like when they showed uh, the, the character uh, Winketa after she was dispatched and they showed her in the freezer mm-hmm. that was that was a level i was not expecting out of this film it's very true like all the rest of it is mostly people getting chopped up bit eaten a little bit at a time that kind of stuff that was all okay that one was was surprising for the most part the effects were were at a level of what this film seemed to be at itself mm-hmm. uh they were neither fantastic nor poor uh, so right in line, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, the same. I mean, it was you got what you got. I mean, they didn't like when uh, Hector was held up into the fan. You didn't see anything other than below the chest and blood spraying. Saw a lot of blood spraying, but that's really about it. So that's why I did I, like the end credits when they showed everybody dead on the yeah, menus. That's true. That is very true. Um, so yeah, so I gave it a three as well. Um, yeah, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at eight zero five three two eight thirty nine sixty six. You can email us at pot at gncast.com. You can leave us a message on the website. You can follow the show at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Podcast Terror. And you, subs- subscribe. you, can, you subs- can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or oh, any of your favorite boy. podcatchers. And leave us feedback at whichever one you like. Uh, check back on Matt's bladder. See how that's doing. Oh, God, it also, hurts. options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. And finally, you can join our Facebook group uh under galactic network matt where can people find you besides the potty the bathroom uh you can find me on twitter and instagram and uh untapped the beer app at uh met the lifeguard 
Corey. And you can find the stuff that I help publish at donutscomics.com. Terrific. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podcast of Terror. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hi there. This is Brett Stewart from Geek Cinema Society. Are you a film lover? Do you consider yourself a connoisseur of the silver screen? Well, Geek Cinema Society is a weekly roundtable program where each episode we touch on a film considered pivotal to geek culture. From Blade Runner to The Goonies to Mad Max, we dig into it all. Plus, our guest each week hasn't seen that week's film until the episode. Join me and my co-hosts, Nicole Davis and David Luzader, on a spectacularly fun journey that hits your podcast feed every Sunday. Available on Blazing Caribou Studios. Next week on the Podcast of Terror. Next week, Corey and I will be talking about a little film called Southbound. I think it's a film. It was Corey's idea. I've never actually seen it, which I'm sure I, is a huge shock. I haven't seen it either, so it's it'll be new to both of us. But it's a uh, an anthology movie where the the horror tales intersect with each other. Mm. You know how much I love horror's tales. <laughs> I know you just like to rush them against you, cuddle them. I don't know. I really don't know. Sometimes I just need. I don't know you at all, Matt. Who are you? I'm a a man beast. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the podcast. Here, we will talk to you guys next week. Stay scared, everybody. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to gncast.com. That's gncast.com. 